0: There's an exceptional song, spit in blood from the about to be released EP Violence from My Epic. Thanks for coming to the Antidote. I'm Dave Hawkins. I think I'd be understating the fact if I said that I'm a simple fan of My Epic. I mean this band is superb. Who like to branch off and often remake their sound. The one constant is that their message stays focused on Christ. And that stays true even when they raise questions that might change the way we look at our faith. Some of those questions came up last year on the ultraviolet release, and more come around on violence. I always enjoy speaking with Aaron Stone of my epic, so I asked him to come to the antidote and speak about the band's art. We had a long talk, so there's lots to come. Enjoy this. My Epic has joined the antidote and lead vocalist, guitarist Aaron Stone is with us. Good to have you here Aaron. It's
2: great to be here Dave, thanks for having me.
0: There might be some listeners who aren't familiar with MyEpic, and I'd have a hard time describing your sound, because you could be put into a few different genres, so how would you label the band? Oh, well, uh, I think that's probably pretty true.
2: Uh, hopefully we have kind of our own sound, but everything fits in some genre. But Uh, I think from the start, one of our goals was to have a very dynamic sound in the sense of like really quiet and pretty parts and really giant, huge, heavy parts, and and that's sort of what we do. Um, But we definitely stray away from kind of like metal and screamy stuff. Uh, I would say if you threw uh, kind of ambient music, something a la Hammock and Sigurros in a blender with something more slamming and heavy and groovy like the Deftones, and you put in some post-rock in there, you probably get pretty close, and with we've got some pretty strong uh, underlying punk rock and kind of grungy, like Foo Fighters, this tendency. So all that stuff, we're kind of always aiming to to slam really hard, and for it to be groovy, and to write big, giant, you know, hooks and choruses, and uh, hopefully we're more successful than we have failed.
0: <laughs> that is a wild mix. Yeah. What about filling us in about the other members of My Epic?
2: So the original members are my brother Jesse, who plays drums. And then one of my best friends, Jeremiah, is our bass player, and my brother sings a little bit too and does background vocals. And then uh, since 2010, uh, Tana Morita has been in the band. He's played guitar um, and does a lot of other stuff. He sings, sings as well, and does a lot of synth and piano and production. She can produce a lot. And then uh, Nate Washburn has also been in the band for about the last three years as well, uh, and he plays guitar and does production stuff too. And and you probably never see us live as a five-piece. Um, We don't really write to be a five-piece, we kind of write to be a four-piece, but Nate and Tanner kind of take turns touring and playing live, and and we just kind of work like one big happy family, like whoever has the best idea wins. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, there's five of us, but you'll probably use ECS Live as a four-piece.
0: Here's a bit of trivia that ties My Epic and The Antidote almost intimately together. You know this, I stole the name of this program from one of your earliest song titles. So I need to know, have you forgiven me for that?
2: I have. I have, because I think now people know the podcast better than the song, and I'd rather them forget that
0: song. Um, it's, <laughs> it's oh, not, come on. It's <laughs> not that bad.
2: No, it's, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good song. You know, honestly, every song we've ever written was probably the best we could do at that time. And I think in 2004, or 2005, when we wrote that song. It was the best song we could write. And so I, I'm not ashamed of it in that sense. But I also don't want to play it live. Because when I play it, I just think, it's just like, think about who you were 14 years ago, and that guy's probably a little embarrassing. I'm proud that I made it and did it, but I'm more proud that you made a podcast out of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I looked at the antidote calendar and realized that it was 2015 when I last had my epic on the show. A lot has happened since then. Mm-hmm. The band has had three releases since 2015, viscera in 2015. Last year came the EP Ultraviolet, this year it's *Violence*. so I'd like to spend some time talking about those releases. Yeah, I'd love to. Ghost Story leads off the Viserra release. It's a great song that says, I've seen the truth of what's at risk, and I cannot stop thinking of the sounds in hell. So let them grow louder and louder till I don't fear anything else. Keep haunting me, holy ghost, keep haunting. Is that what my epic is all about? Like, would you consider yourself a ministry band?
2: Uh man, that term gets thrown around a lot and I I don't really love it because that's like asking if your life is a ministry life. Like to me, the point of our lives is to is to spread hope, is to be light, is to be enjoyable and, and wonderful and to bring the hope that we believe we find only in, in God to other people. And so I don't think we think of it in terms as like when we get in the van and we kind of turn magically into my epic that now we're on ministry. Like, I think we just kind of view our lives that way. Like, I, anyone I meet, I want to bring hope to them. And anyone who I get the chance to, like, you know, work with in any capacity, like, I want to be a source of hope and light to them. And I want to speak whatever truth I've discovered into their lives. So I think that's more like a, just a statement in general. Like, you know, we're, we're not going to live that long and there's a lot at risk. And I don't want to forget that. I don't want to be flippant about the choices I make and the life that I live. And I think that carries over to the way we try to do everything,
0: and thus the band is a part of that. It's more than that, it's, it's my whole life, not just a band. Well, that raises something else up because that same song deals with how anything of worth comes with a price. What kind of price has Aaron Stone paid by being in My Epic?
2: Uh, I guess asking that question to me makes me think, Well, if I'd gone down a different path, I would have maybe made a lot more money. But who knows? I might be even poorer if I did something. I might be even worse at everything else than I am at this. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, there's the price that's probably immediate to what other people would perceive that, like, you know, touring is tiring, and you're from the people you love. And for sure, like, you know, we make a little bit of money as a band, but not much, not not enough to pay our bills. We're fortunate to be in the black, so that allows us to keep doing it and cover costs and stuff. We're much more interested in living the lives that we feel convicted to live and pursuing the things that really bring us like purpose and joy. And so to me, I can talk about sacrifices in one sense, and that's true. But in another sense, um, I think the, the reward that we're getting from following our convictions and living out our beliefs is much greater than the things we're losing. I maybe maybe other people would perceive it that way. I think every valuable thing is costly. So yeah, I don't think about that that much. I I think of it as like a privilege, you know, that like I get to do, and the things that other people might see as costly just don't resonate with me that way.
0: Story comes from my epics Viscera release. Coming up, I ask Aaron Stone about the band's change in style on the EP Ultraviolet. I gotta tell you that I was surprised by the sound of the Ultraviolet EP. You built a new baby with that. I mean, <laughs> it's stripped down, it's more electronic, it's almost ambient. Yeah. Did this come about because of the premise of the EP?
2: Yeah, I think we're just always looking for a new challenge uh, because we we never want to make the same record twice. And, and we, we recognize the reality of it is if it's the five of us in the kitchen together making the meal, and if it's my voice, that in the end, it's probably still going to sound like my epic enough for people to not feel like we just made like a metalcore record or something. Um, that's like not in our hearts to make. So that's not going to happen. So we kind of feel free to experiment and we would rather aim at a target like, when we made Yet, it was like, well, let's make a really raw record and just, like, bass, guitar, drums, vocals, and pretty much nothing else, and let's strip the riffs down and just try to write, like, heavier, more simple stuff. And at the time, it was like, that. That's we hit that target, so let's do something different. And then Behold was like, well, let's take that dynamic and kind of add all the ambient elements, and let's kind of scratch our more ambient itch. Um, server was kind of more like a lyrical concept. So with Ultraviolet, it was... We just, like, what if we kind of split the two halves of our dynamics apart? What if we did one EP that was kind of our prettier, more jammy, more vibey, you know, more ambient stuff? And um, what if the next record uh, was going to be, like, let's just try to write five or however many really heavy songs? That was the kernel. And early on, I I just knew that the records were going to be called Ultraviolet and Violence. Like, that just was on my heart so strongly that that really made a lot of sense. So for Ultraviolet, it was like, let's write five songs that are that they, they're akin to moments that we've done before. Like I think our reference points were some of the same reference points we had when we wrote songs like Memoir and when we wrote songs like Liturgy uh, or even Further Up, um, Rich, those kind of old songs that we've done that are a little more jammy and a little prettier. It was like those references. You know, We just have so many things we love. It's like, oh, it'd be cool if we could do more electronic stuff and we could mix that in. And, uh, and it was just nice to have a target to aim at, and then with, with violence kind of going the other direction with it. So, yeah, it was really fun to write, and it was hard because we really love the dynamic of, like, getting a song to a certain point and just slamming it. Uh, but it was nice to challenge ourselves with, like, how do we make this song feel emotionally complete? How do we make it, even before the lyrics are written, how do we make this song feel like it has motion and like it arrives somewhere? We talk about their songs and their songy songs, and in my epic, a songy song is like a song that, you can pick up with an acoustic, just sing the melody, and the chord structure makes sense. The more older we get, the more we like doing that. To be honest, it's the songs that people resonate with more songs that have a structure that you can strip down and they still hold up. And so with Ultraviolet, it was I don't know that it was any easier, but it was a clearer target.
0: You make it sound like you don't mind shattering your listeners' expectations.
2: You know, I don't know that we can. I mean, I think people heard Ultraviolet and were like, it's different, but is it that different? For sure, we have fans who like our heavy stuff and not our soft stuff. And we have fans that like our soft stuff and not our heavy stuff. Like our most played song on Spotify is Doxology, all day long, every day. Obviously, it's a famous song we didn't write. But so I I don't think we really have that worry. I mean, did you feel like we did that, Dave? Did
0: we bum you out? (laughs) Not a bit. (laughs) Because I love it all. And that's a serious thing. You know that I'm horribly critical. So if I say it, I mean it.
2: I believe you. Well, and that's how we feel. It's like we're guys who like to listen to like really heavy, weird doom stuff. But we also like, I love R&B slow jams and uh, we all like ambient music. And Jeremiah listens, like it's one of his favorite bands of all time. We'll always be Sixpence, None the Richer. So we're just kind of always banking on, again, like if it's the five of us and if I'm singing, in the end, it's going to sound like us. It's like, you're not going to like everything we make, but as an artist, all we can do is pursue what we're excited about. Like if someone's like, oh, I didn't like Ultraviolet. It's like, well, that's fine. I mean, you you don't have to like it. You can like it or not like it. I mean, if we spend time trying to chase what other people want us to do, we'll go crazy. If we succeed, what will we think of ourselves if it's not what we care about? And if we fail, we can't even stand behind it. It's like what we made what somebody else wanted us to. People, If people attack it and it's not good, we're like, well, we thought that's what you wanted. But if we make what we're passionate about and what seems exciting to us, we put it out. If it succeeds, that's great. And if it fails, it's like, well, at least we did what we thought we should do. You know, I think following our conviction is all we really know how to do. And sometimes that's even even in small things like the sound of a record.
0: During the Ultraviolet EP, my epic gave a strong statement on so be it. The song included a line that says, I can't tell the difference between my curses and my prayers, when all I can say is, well, so be it, so be it. Many Christians aren't comfortable or they're even frightened of questioning their faith. That doesn't seem to include you.
2: Yeah, well, that was kind of the point of that record when we were finishing Viscera and the, we wrote that song, Open Letter, at the end. That song grew out of like not really any of us particularly struggling with our faith, but being around a lot of that. I would say that we're all in process with what we believe, as everyone should be. Everyone should be growing in progress with the things they believe. And if part of your belief system, which is ours, is that... That there's a God and that he's a transcendent being, and I'm gonna spend as long as I exist, hopefully for eternity, getting to know him. So, but we had people around us who were losing their faith or walking away, or some who had never considered it were or, or for the first time coming near. And we wrote the song Open Letter to say, like, well, let's just talk about the hardest stuff uh, that there is to deal with that our friends are asking. Let's look it right in the eye and let's try to talk about it. And if we can't, then that's a really bad thing. And so we wrote that song and we went on tour for Viscera and it just got such a strong response. And we felt like it was one of the strongest things we'd done. Every night people pull us aside who are struggling to believe or struggling to to grab hold of faith or to not let go. And to say like, hey, this is part of the process, you know, like going through this and figuring it out. Like, I think one of the worst things you can do when you're in that process is to not talk about it. And so by putting a song out there, it was like us saying like, hey, like, let's have this conversation. I, I think this is a healthy conversation. Cause you might say to someone, I think it's all falling apart. It's kind of like a little kid going, I think I'm dying. And the parent goes, no, that's called a growing pain. You're actually going to be fine. Uh, <laughs> so ultraviolet was like, it was really clear to us. We should write a whole record about that. Cause there was so much around us, so much was going on and, and there was ways we could relate to it strongly. Cause there's things I believed 10 years ago that I don't believe now. And there's things I didn't believe 10 years ago that I do because I'm in process because I'm growing because I'm learning. You know, even in the Bible, it says Jesus grew in favor with God and man. It doesn't really lay out what that means, but I think we're invited to grow. I think we're invited to progress. And I think sometimes the really overly fundamental mentalities, they don't reward progress. They don't reward people learning. <laughs> it says, like, no, here's all the pillars. You learned them all when you were 10. Now nothing should change. Um, I do think there are things which are central to the, the things that I believe, but I think we should keep growing and learning. And so Ultraviolet became like a cipher for all the things that are real that we don't perceive. There's so much light that we can't perceive with the naked eye, but it's real. And there's so much that's going on that we are not perceiving with our natural senses, but it's real. And so be it was just um, when you're in that place where you're struggling and you, you just don't know how to feel about something, like you're trying to still believe or you're struggling with your faith. And and I think what was interesting to me was that one of the ways to to interpret the word amen is so be it. And also, so be it is another way of saying, screw it, I give up. Like there's nothing I can do about it. So it's It's kind of another way of saying it it is what it is, which isn't exactly an exciting thing. I think it's really interesting that at the same time, when something's really good, you can say, so be it, amen. Like I agree with that. When something's really bad, sometimes all you can say is like, what can I do about it? And I mean, that song is really just an invitation to say, hey, let's all be honest here. We're all learning, we're all growing. We're all losing some things we thought we'd never lose. We're all finding some things we thought we'd never find. That's a part of the journey. Letting go of this idea that we're going to fit God and we're going to fit faith into this perfect box and welcome the process. And the end of the song when it says, hope can be a heavy thing to hold, but I know I still feel it. That song's more of an invitation to say like, hey, sometimes you're not going to know where you're at in the process. And so hopefully that song will pull a lot of people into realizing they're not alone in that struggle.
1: Tried our best to make them all fit. But none of it was making any sense. We were given vows to calm us down. Said they pulled them out of God's mouth. So they. Be. I lost this sea. <clears throat>
0: be it from my epic is a beautiful song and so is of wilderness from the ultraviolet ep let's hear about the song from aaron of wilderness from ultraviolet is one of the prettiest songs i've ever heard oh thank you it also has a serious message when you sang you know the prophets and the madman both hear a voice and call the desert home they swear it's gospel but you'll never know it's only gossip until you go and I thought, oh, no, here it is. Okay, my epic has gone all fanatical, and they're going to move to the desert, too.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's funny, as I was just in the desert yesterday in California, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, I, and I actually had to play that song. And I was speaking to the crowd last night, and I said, I kind of explained the song a little bit, and I said, you know, I know the desert in the Bible, the desert is is shown as a as place of struggle, but it's also shown as the place you're sent to really mature and really grow. And the audience started cheering really loud. I, I hadn't thought about it until that moment because they were—they all live in the desert. So <laughs> <laughs> they were claiming it. But yeah, I mean, that song's just basically like a lot of people have not really thought through what they believe, what they think. But basically the, that song is saying, if you think you have it all figured out, you definitely don't. For most people that have really liked it, as soon as they hear the line, I think we're all lost. Till we walked in the wilderness. They're, they're like, oh yeah, totally. I get that." Like. In my life, a lot of garbage got burned away when I went through this hard season, or a lot of stuff that wasn't important got dropped away. And I realized what things were really important, what things weren't. And for people who don't resonate with that song, I usually just say, Well, you'll need it eventually. (laughs) Like, you'll feel it eventually. You'll understand, like, that season is tough, but you may believe all this stuff about God, but what does it mean until you go through a hard time? What does it go until? you really experience you know, his leading or his love or his patience or his kindness or his forgiveness, it doesn't mean much to you until then. You know, The whole record's kind of also just saying like you're, just never, you're never gonna fully figure God out and you just have to welcome that. You're never gonna fully figure faith out. If there is a God, which I believe there is, and what makes him worth worshiping is that he is so much greater and bigger and awesomer. So the fact that the world is so broken and God is so good uh, is just something I have to be okay with. I mean, and I think sometimes theologies try to parse that stuff out too much and they kind of get themselves in in hot water and become like overly analytical when it's, we've been given these clear anchors. And, and so that's not just an invitation, you know, like when you're going through the hard stuff, like I don't think God sends bad things to people to grow them, but I do think he uses it for that purpose. This is Aaron Stone of My Epic, and you're listening to The Antidote with my friend Dave Hawkins.
0: how the band has given a statement about the new EP where you said violence explores those things which don't fit into our paradigm there are things we'll never know and some things we don't know yet let's not pretend all the answers fit together perfectly like a puzzle but I mean isn't that why we have theologians right yeah I think I think it's obviously in that sense violence
2: is a continuation of ultraviolet uh, but it's it's what is the fruit of that and what do we do with it Um, and how do we be people who who live in this world and admit to to that and can be okay with that if i'd have known how much what the last year of my life was going to be like i probably would have named the record super happy fun times instead of violence (laughs) um you know all things considered i i live like i'm super thankful um but it was a tough year and i i I guess i should have known when i named an album violence two years before i wrote it that i was going to have to walk through it so i mean i've probably said this to you before but like I really don't write songs to try to explain things to other people. I'm writing songs to try to understand them. And there was just a lot of stuff to wrestle with in the last year that I felt needed a song. And usually if I feel like I need a song for it, then eventually someone else will say, Hey man, I'm glad you wrote that. Like, I think that's just what all art really is.
0: You already mentioned this earlier that you flipped the style around on violence and it is more aggressive, especially on the single white noises. I get where you're heading on that song, but people could misunderstand what you're intending when you give the line. How could any honest person claim the things you believe? May mm-hmm. God judge swiftly for the damage you've done. There's a special place in hell for the thing you've become.
2: Yeah, so it was important to us when we released that song to put out a small statement with it because we wanted to make sure people got what we were doing. But I really was, have just been unsettled a lot over the last four or five years. I had this interesting Facebook stream because I worked at a large um, church for a long time. So I have a lot of people in my life who are very, very conservative. But I also have spent a lot of my life being an artist and you know, playing out in the world and just in general. And so I have a lot of friends who are very left and I love them both. And I would regularly see people on my Facebook feed just yelling at how dumb the other side is. <laughs> and and, and re- what really threw me off was like they'd start things with like, hey, if you're a social justice warrior, don't even read this. Or, hey, if you're like a gun-toting whatever, don't even read this. And that stuff just unsettled me so quickly because it was like, isn't the point of communication and isn't the point of believing something to try to learn from each other, right? Like if you think someone's really wrong, then don't you want them to change their mind? So if you're starting your post with, don't even listen to this, then what? why, why are you saying anything? Um, and it seems like because of the way we can kind of feel like internet rangers and feel safe when we're behind our computers, sometimes anonymously and sometimes not, but we will just say things that are like, to me, so unlike Christ and so on. And so even if you're not a believer, just like, just so jerky and just like, does not getting us anywhere. So I wanted to write a song about lack of empathy and how important empathy is. If, if you really disagree with someone, then understanding why they believe what they believe is, is the most important thing you can do to figure out how to convince them otherwise if you see why they, why they believe it, then you can begin to, oh, okay, well, maybe if I showed them this or showed them that. And sometimes when you empathize with somebody, you may realize they're right and you're wrong. Um, and the point should be to grow and to learn and to move towards truth. The point shouldn't be to win. That, that is winning as a human race. And so it just unsettles me how now it even seems like to have an open and honest, humble conversation with someone you disagree with is viewed as selling out. I'd recently been reading a bunch of like short stories by Flannery O'Connor. I don't know if you know her very well, but yes. And I, I really like was unsettled by a lot of her work, but I kind of immediately got that she kind of writes these almost negative parables. Like she's going to teach you a good thing by showing you a, a bad thing. Um, and so that's kind of what white noises is like what happens if we have no empathy. And so we've been wanting to do something with Corey from Norma Jean for a while. We did a tour with them a couple years ago. And uh, that's one of my favorite heavy bands, like for sure. We became friends, and so I had talked to him about it. He was totally down. And when I thought of this song, I was like, "Oh, what if the parable was it's me and Corey just arguing the whole song and not making any headway, and then in the end we finally are singing at the same time and we're singing the exact same words to one another? And how ironic is it that we're saying the exact same words but we're totally disagreeing? When we do that, what you're saying when you're just yelling at someone and you're using no empathy to to try to reason with them?" is whatever you're saying just turns into white noise? Nobody listens to someone who's screaming at them and just being a jerk and telling them they're an idiot and they don't know anything. So the end of the song is really where he's singing white noises over and over again and I'm singing examples of everything I've seen. Those lines you quoted are literal, almost literal examples of stuff I've seen on Facebook um, and seen on Twitter of people yelling at each other. And I think it's embarrassing. And in the end where it gets us is, you don't have anything to say to me and I don't have anything to say to you. That to me is just so sad.
0: Noises shows the aggressive side of violence, but the EP isn't all that way. Aaron Stone speaks about that on the next part of our talk. It's interesting how the band's art develops, because personally, I do feel that ultraviolet and violence are your most artistic efforts. Mm, Thank you. And violence is quite different in another way, because my epic brings in a form of Japanese poetry on a song whose name I can't even pronounce, but Anyway, what inspired the song and its style? Uh, we were getting near the end of the record, and we we really had these a couple
2: things we still wanted to accomplish, and Tanner had this idea for a song that ended up being called Spit and Blood, because um, most my epic songs start with my ideas, but when they don't, I love that. Like I love when the other guys bring an idea, and I get to just write on their ideas. And um, Spit and Blood was one that kind of Tanner championed, and Suneni, which is the best I can say it. Um was one that Nate wrote, but really it was inspired by a lot of stuff Jeremiah is really into and that all of us dig. It's kind of like when you're cooking and you're like, it needs something else. What does it need? And we just felt like the record just needed like a little bit of lemon juice or something. And so Nate just kind of beasted that the framework of the the music pretty much out on his own. That was the I think the last song that was completed. Um, and then he showed it to me and immediately I was like, Oh, I love like the cyclical nature of it. We knew we wanted the end of the record to like turn a corner back to this positive place. Like we were dealing with a lot of hard things and I don't want to apologize for that because that's reality. But also I'd, I'd like the note to end on a hopeful note. And so the song is really just about like cycles, you know, you can continue to stay in, in the cycle of like habit of addiction of your old mindset, or you can, you can learn and there's forgiveness and there's grace to grow. Uh, and so the song is really just about this kind of, which cycle do you want to be in? And if you move to the other way and you, you learn and you grow and, and you, learn to, you learn the miracle of forgiveness, which I think it is, um, then your life can grow a lot lighter and more beautiful. And, and it really helped us turn the corner to the last song on the record.
0: It's almost like the My Epic song "Sinani" comes from an entirely different band. That's the diversity of the sound on this release. "Violence" from My Epic releases Friday, May tenth. Get it? I really can't say that strongly enough. This EP, along with "Ultraviolet," aren't just beautiful to listen to. These are thought-provoking releases. The antidote goes for a radical change in style next week. There's no music coming from our guest, Chris Bernstorff. Chris is a master of spoken word poetry. He comes to The Antidote to share his passion for poetry. Tune in next week. It's something you'll really want to hear. Here comes more from Aaron Stone about the violence release, along with the song Bloody Angles. Thanks for tuning in. Another song on violence is Bloody Angles, and it speaks about borders, walls, trying to figure out who is a friend or a foe? Okay, so now I can take it political. Couldn't you turn this into a metaphor about Trump's plans for the Mexican border wall? <laughs> you could, but you'd have
2: to explain that because that's not what that's not what my intention <laughs> was. Um, that, that's really funny. I hadn't thought about it that way. It's funny because I wrote it about kind of a falling out I had with a good friend. Um, I, I still love this guy dearly. Um, but it was one of those things where all this stuff was coming to light some of it was my fault for sure and all i wanted to do was reconcile and it just wasn't in the place where that was going to happen yet and everything i tried it was like i kept trying to clean the mess up and but my hands were dirty and it kept getting worse um and i i kept seeking reconciliation and it got worse and and it was just in this place of like man i don't really know what to do and this guy views it as though i've wounded him which was never my intention and I know I view it as like, we, it's like when, when you lose trust with someone and all of a sudden you're just like, what, what happened here? And I just know there's a lot of people that have been through that. Like they want to be reconciled with someone and they've tried everything they can and it hasn't gotten any better. And so that song was just about like my life. And, and, uh, and in the end, I, you know, I just was kind of praying on it. Like that's, that can't be where it ends. Like I can't move on in my life if I just have to say there's this awful thing that happened and there's nothing I can do about it. I really view our free will as a super important thing and i think that god has always given us something to do he's always given us something to say or something to believe that allows us to begin to move towards healing and so that song's really about pursuing forgiveness when there's no reconciliation um i get to choose not to be bitter i get to choose not to hold this against you and i felt like that was something that would be
0: powerful for a lot of people not just myself it's a big project turning out two connected concept eps how will you ever top this?
2: <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> well, we spread them out pretty far, so we kind of cheated. But I, mean, I think our passion is just really making good art. We're passionate about communicating. Uh, I don't know how to process my life without writing songs. Like, That's literally how I process life. And if someone will help me record them and someone will pay to put them out, then people will get to hear that. And if they don't, I guess I'll just be doing it on my own. <laughs> So we've started to talk about what might be next, and we've got some things that are exciting to us. But the most exciting thing to me is just writing another great song. You know, like when we were in the room and we were writing, and out of those first four, like White Noises was the last one. And uh, the first riff, just the opening thing, it's just so simple. Came into my head when my brother ran upstairs you know, for a minute, and he wasn't at the drum set. And he came back down, I was like, let's just try this. And we played it, and it was like, for us, it was a, such a simple idea that we didn't think— you know that we almost were well, like, can we get away with this? It kind of sounds like like Led Zeppelin or Raging Against the Machine or something. And and in the end, it was like we're excited about it. So, well, then we ought to put that out. And I think that's whatever is whatever happens next. It'll just be we'll keep writing until we have songs that are we're excited about. Maybe there'll be a structure. Maybe there won't. But hopefully, there'll be good songs that that communicate true things and that other people can relate to. As always, Aaron, man, it's been great
0: having you for a talk.
2: Thank you so much, David. So- Privilege, let's let's not wait four years to do it
0: again.